You're listening to the Wellness Insider Network, episode number 21. Welcome to the Wellness Insider Network podcast, a place where you discover how to create a balanced, vibrant, and stress-free life with the right food, herbs, and self-care techniques. I'm your host, Lana Camille. I'm a college professor, drug information pharmacist, and an herbalist. Thank you for joining me on this adventure. Let's get the show started. Hello, Wellness Insiders. Excited to be here with you today. I would like to introduce Camille Freeman to you. Uh, Camille is an herbalist, nutritionist, and physiologist. She previously ran her own practice, primarily working with clients on fertility, pregnancy, and postpartum issues. Today, teaching is Camille's full-time job. She's a lover of all things academic, having accumulated two master's degree, one in herbal medicine and another one in physiology and biophysics. Camille has been teaching in the herbal medicine program at the Maryland University for Integrative Health for a number of years. She is an associate professor in the integrative sciences department there, where she teaches physiology, pathophysiology, and other science-based topics to graduate students studying herbal medicine, nutrition, and yoga. I absolutely love how Camille integrates science with traditional wisdom in her teaching and practice, and was very excited to be able to invite her to speak about strategies for stress relief for busy students and professionals. Good morning, Camille. How are you doing? Good morning. I'm doing really well. How about yourself? I'm doing well. Thank you. So I'm really excited that you are able to join us today. Um, I think we met about five, maybe seven years ago through the American Herbalist Guild and our mutual friends. And so I have attended a number of your classes and have always admired your your approach and your wisdom combining the, the science of what you're doing and also traditional medicine. So I was very much looking forward to this conversation. Um, but uh, before we begin, before we really talk about some of your diverse passions and interests, um, I wanted to ask you a little bit of how you um, got interested in herbal medicine and physiology and all the other things that you're doing these days. <laughs> well, um, I actually got interested in herbal medicine in high school. I had an English teacher who um, really let us explore our own passions. And so I did a semester-long project on echinacea in high school where uh, at the time, this is before the internet, um, I wrote off to the American Botanical Council and ordered um, information about echinacea and the American Indian uses. And I um, actually wrote a letter to Jim Duke Mm. and all these different people. And so it was a really fun project. And then after that, um, I just kind of learned more, especially after I did my undergrad, I uh, went and apprenticed with an herbalist in New Mexico, and that, um, that started my journey. That's wonderful. And so how did physiology come into this? Well, you know, I actually got my master's in herbal medicine first. Okay. And then after that, I was interested in 
learning more about how the body works so I could better understand how herbs were or were not interacting with um, the human body. And so I went back and got a master's in physiology and biophysics at Georgetown um, after that. So it was actually really nice to go into the physiology already having an understanding of herbs um, because I think that gave me a little bit of a different perspective that I might not have had if I had done it the other way. Very interesting. But you have all these other passions like nutrition and yoga. Um, how do they? Uh, how did they come into the mix? <laughs> well, um, I think that you really can't do much with herbs without also addressing nutrition. Because I feel like all the herbs in the world are not going to do much if you don't have the nutrients that you need to heal and stay healthy. Um, so the nutrition kind of tagged along with the herbal medicine and then yoga has always been my own personal um, self-care practice. Um, so I started yoga in college and undergrad when we were required to take a PE <laughs> class. Okay. And so yoga, yoga was the most uh, appealing one to me. And then ever since then, it's been my way of um, stress managing, relaxation, self-care. That's wonderful. So you're talking about self-care and relaxation. And as I mentioned to you a little bit earlier, um, our audience is college students and young professionals. And um, if you look at college students, very often there is a very heavy workload that they have. And so one of my goals is to bring guests that are able to share their thoughts and their wisdom on how to approach this. So can you talk to us maybe a little bit about times when you felt stress as an uh, undergraduate student or maybe doing any of your uh, graduate work where you were able to fall back on things that work well for you? And uh, can you talk to us a little bit more about this? Sure. Um, so, you know, it's interesting because one of the things I've noticed during my, both my undergrad and graduate work is that it's often difficult to remember to move my body. Mm -hmm. I often find that I am sitting for long periods of time. I'm in front of the computer screen. I'm, you know, I find myself hunched over with my shoulders up around my ears, you know, glaring at the tiny print on the screen. Um, and it's always been tricky because I'm interested in what I do. And I think when you're, when you love what you're learning and when you're working under a deadline, you want to keep going because you're, mind is engaged. And so one of the hardest things for me is, is actually making myself stop, take a break and get up and walk around. Um, and so what, one of the strategies that I use for that is I, um, I will set a timer. Mm -hmm. I use the, um, the Pomodoro technique, which I'm not sure if you've discussed that before. We have not, um, but tell us about it. Podcast. So the Pomodoro technique is essentially the idea that you work in short bursts of 20 to 30 minutes, and then you stop, get up, do something else, even if it's just walk over, get a drink of water, and come back. You take a little mental break and then work in another chunk. And I find at first it was, I was really resistant to this, but I actually find that I'm much, much more productive when I do that. Um, so the other alternative is to say, okay, well, I'm going to work until I read this chapter. Mm -hmm. And the Pomodoro is sort of the alternate to that, where you're saying, I'm not going to finish the chapter. I'm just going to do however much I can do for 20 to 25 minutes. Mm 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I find that it's a little bit easier to get started <laughs> if you're not like, oh, I'm going to sit here and read this whole chapter. If you're like, oh, I'm just going to do it for 25 minutes, okay. get as far as I get, and then do something else. Um, so that's really been an effective technique for me. And there's actually um, extensions that you can add to your browser that will start and stop a timer at the right, you know, there's the Pomodoro symbol is a little tomato. Mm-hmm. So you hit the tomato and then it times you for 20 minutes. And then when it, when it dings, you're like, okay, well, I'm done, done with that little bunch. I'm going to get up, do something else, come back to it. Um, so I find that that is really, really helpful for me just to think of it, not in terms of what you're going to accomplish, but in terms of just working on something mm-hmm. for 20 minutes. Um, it's really been a helpful technique for me. Um, let me think of some other things. You know what else I have done that's, that's really made a big difference for me as well is to look at the um, blue light exposure at nighttime. Okay. Because that, is, as, we, as I'm sure you know, sleep disruption is a really big problem these days. Yeah. Circadian rhythm alterations. And we do know that blue light exposure from phone screens and tablets and computers and TVs can, can suppress melatonin secretion and interfere with our sleep. And so with, with my job teaching um, online, I can't really stay off the computer or the screens at night. Many times I'm often teaching a class at night, mm-hmm. uh, but I have found that, that it makes a big difference to, to put on a blue light filter. Okay. And they have all kinds of different apps depending on which device you're using. Um, usually, you know, they're usually free. Um, but that, that makes a big difference in my sleep. And then, of course, when I sleep better, everything, everything works better the following day. Of course. Have you ever tried those um, goggles or glasses that help you to uh, diminish the effects of blue light? Do they work? Or is it better just to go with something on your screen directly? I I have not personally tried them because I don't really like things on my face. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, but I do. I think that there is some reasonable evidence that they are effective. Okay. Um, but I just find it easier to put a blue light filter on all of my different screens. Okay. Um, and then I also um, I make a concerted effort to put down all my screens an hour before bed. So I read um, just regular old books, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, or I do a meditation or something like that before before bedtime to try not to have any, any lights for that last hour or so. Do you, so you talked about that last hour before you go to sleep. Do you have a ritual or do you have a routine that you typically try to stick to that helps you to sleep better and helps you to feel more refreshed the next day? Well, you know, I've noticed um, one of my new year's resolutions this year was actually to not have, devices in the bedroom. Mm-hmm. Um, so I start, I started putting my phone charger in my kitchen instead of my bedroom. And so before I go to bed, I plug in my phone into the charger and I leave it there. And for me, it's really symbolic of like, I'm just stepping away from social media. I'm stepping away from my email and um, anything else kind of work related or stressful. And I'm just going into my bedroom where there are books that I read for fun. Maybe I write in my journal. Maybe I just do some deep breathing or a little bit of yoga. Um, So it really feels like a place of retreat for me rather than just an extension of my everyday work and school life. Okay. So that's my my process. 
Okay, and do you have something that helps you to wake up in the morning? <laughs> I have two small children. Okay, so this is the best routine and the best exercise. Uh, yes, I um, I am a morning person okay. just naturally, uh, but I do like a nice cup of peppermint tea in the morning. To I, I find that the aroma of it is uplifting, and it feels like it starts my day off really well. Okay. So it's a perfect segue for us to talk a little bit about herbs. So when you are thinking about self-care, when you're thinking about uh, how can students or young professionals take better care of themselves with herbs or nutrition, do you have any recommendations or any thoughts on this? Well, um, <clears throat> the most common thing that I see among my students is the mindless eating Okay. It's really easy, I think, to use food as a reward or something to make you feel better or to just sit there and read and eat okay. <laughs> or um, sit on the computer and eat. So one of my biggest recommendations that I give to my students is to just think mindfully about your food before you eat it. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean don't eat treats or don't eat things that are that you find nourishing or... Um, are part of your self-care. But instead of just shoving things in your mouth to say like, okay, I'm going to stop. I'm going to take a breath. I'm going to look at the food that I'm eating and see if I want it right now. Mm -hmm. Maybe I do and maybe I don't. If I do want it right now, then I'm going to really taste it and enjoy it and experience it rather than do something else while I'm shoving it in my face. Um, because I found that, that if you can really experience and enjoy the food, even if it's a treat and not something that you would feel is a healthy choice necessarily, mm -hmm. uh, you, can, you can really get a lot more out of it and then you can, put, you can set it away and go back to what you're doing without um, losing track of the fact that you started to feel full, you know, half the bag ago or <laughs> whatever it right. is. I, I love this recommendation. I love this suggestion. A couple of weeks ago, I talked to someone uh, about intuitive eating and mindful eating. And once again, this, this concept of being present uh, when you are eating and it, whatever it is, uh, whether it's a treat or whether it's something that is very nourishing to your body is really a wonderful one because uh, very often, just like you said, you might be on the computer, you might be somewhere else, your mind is not exactly where your body is. And so that makes it a little bit more difficult to, to enjoy that chocolate dessert or whatever it is that you might be eating. Mm-hmm. Might as well, right? Yeah. <laughs> You're yeah. going to eat it. Yes. Might as well taste it and enjoy it. Um, so to address your question about the herbs, what kind of herbal things can people do? Um, you know, one of my favorite recommendations for people, it sounds so simple and easy, uh, but I think it can make a big difference, is actually chamomile tea. Okay. I think there are a few people who are not going to do well with chamomile. Of course, if somebody has like an aster allergy or something like that, they should avoid the chamomiles. But uh, most people, for most people, a nice strong cup of chamomile tea, especially either before bed or if you know that you're stressed, if you know you have an exam coming up or you're going into the last week of class or there's all kinds of things going on or you're doing the presentation or something like that, I find that working chamomile tea into your day, either at the start or at the end of the day, 
um, can really make a big difference. And I recommend the same thing I was talking about with the food where you pour the cup of tea, you let it sit for, um, I usually, if people are doing chamomile tea, um, I usually recommend either the loose leaf tea or a good quality tea bag with two or three tea bags and a big mug mm-hmm. um, and let it, let it sit for 15 or 20 minutes, maybe a little honey if you like honey, um, and then just really sit there and drink it. Instead of, you know, don't have it next to your computer and gulp it down, but go somewhere, maybe sit outside or in a nice comfy chair or wherever you like to be and take take the 10 or 15 minutes, drink the tea, and then go back to what you're doing. And it does, uh, it does make a really big difference that way. That's great. Um, Camille, so uh, where, uh, for those listeners that might not know where you get loose um, chamomile leaf tea, what are some of your favorite places or resources for that? Well, if, um, if people have a local herb store nearby, they often will have big bins of loose leaf teas there. Um, and it's usually much less expensive to buy this way mm-hmm. than if you buy the tea bag, like significantly less expensive. Um, so that would be my first choice if you can find a local herb shop to go there. Um, and then I also really like Mountain Rose herbs. You can order online mm-hmm. from Mountain Rose um, and they will send you, you know, a big old bag. You'd be surprised at how big a pound of chamomile is because it's really light and fluffy. fluffy yes. Yes. <laughs> so a pound of chamomile is a lot. A lot of chamomile. Um, but you'll, if you buy it in bulk, the aroma is so different from what you might get in a tea bag, especially a low-quality tea bag. It bears almost no resemblance mm-hmm. to freshly harvested good-quality chamomile. So you can, you can tell the difference right away. It's got a kind of green apple scent to it and a, um, a floral undertone. It's, very, um, it's a very different experience. That's great. And so um, some people will think that chamomile is very calming. And so you said that you can either do it in the evening, maybe with your dinner or something like this, or after your dinner, or you can do it in the morning. Will it make you sleepy? No. In my experience, now I can't speak for everybody. There's, of okay. course, there will be idiosyncratic reactions to, to anything. Uh, but the majority of people don't necessarily find that it makes you sleepy but that it makes you feel a little calmer. Okay. So one experience that people might reported um, to me before is that if they take it in the morning, they feel as if they're still aware of their to-do list, but it doesn't feel like the to-do list is running their lives. It's that's just a piece of information that's there. That's awesome. So um, if uh, you have someone who is actually preparing for exams or preparing for more stressful activities, I would assume that this is a good recommendation as well. I I would try it personally. (laughs) Um, Yes. Do you ever uh, recommend alternating? So you mentioned peppermint tea, and you mentioned that uh, part of it is because you really love the scent and you really love the sensation of the uh, peppermint. Um, uh, Are there certain teas that are good to play with and good to experiment with if you are not in the chamomile mood? Sure. There's all kinds of other... um other good tea herbs to include peppermint, like you said. Um, calendula is a fun one to play with because it's a, um, it's a flower. It's bright orange, as you know, Lana. 
Um, but that, that always um, has an uplifting quality to it, I think. If you need a little bit of, of uh, brightness in your life, I think calendula tea is a nice option. Um, I also find that nettle tea, which is the leaf of the um, stinging nettle plant, mm-hmm. um, it does not sting once it's dried. Okay. <laughs> but nettle tea, stinging nettle tea, um, not, the, not the root, but the leaf, really makes a, um, just a fantastic deep nourishing tea. So I like nettle tea if people are at their wits end. Mm -hmm. It's let's say it's the end of the semester, you've taken a heavy course load, you're just barely making it through and you're not sure it's going to work out. I think that's a great time for some nettle tea. um, Because it's it's rebuilding when you're extremely run down. So I like, um, I like nettles as well. That's great. And so when you're saying rebuilding, we're talking about not just your central nervous system, but in general, your immune system. So we're talking about your entire body, right? Well, that's the thought. We don't, we don't have a lot of research on uh, nettle tea, so we don't know exactly what's going on in there. Um, but presumably, the um, phytonutrients in the nettle leaf are helping with all kinds of different functions. And we do see people um, having improvements in a bunch of different types of areas. So it's hard to say for sure. Okay. <laughs> um, but, but yes, I would imagine, if I had to guess, I would say we would likely see effects in terms of the immune system, central nervous system. Um, some people find that it feels relaxing to their musculoskeletal system. Some people find that it's blood-building might, um, some herbalists might recommend it for things like um, iron deficiency anemia, although it does not have iron in it. Okay. I always think of it as my multivitamin, multi-mineral herb, um, herbal tea. So, and this is how I typically mm-hmm. recommend it to my students as well. And I like adding things to it. Um, it's very green in taste and then smell and in nature and so uh, I love that about it but I also like adding other things to it that either uh, help to bring out other flavors and so do you ever do you ever play with like multiple different ingredients in your teacup I do I I wish that um, I could show you I have a big cabinet and it's just full of big bags of various herbal teas Mm -hmm. and so um my kids and I, we actually have uh, what we call Tuesday tea time. Okay. And so we take out all the teas and then we just put a little bit of whatever we're in the mood for in a teapot and make a big pot of, you know, assorted herbal teas and sit down and have tea together. Very nice. So, and lemon, honey, other things that, you know, someone can add to these uh, herbal teas? I, I say go for it. If it, um, makes the tea palatable to you and something that you want to drink, then I think lemon's great, honey's great. In the summertime, I recommend iced herbal teas, oh, which are really nice to have in the fridge. Yeah. That's wonderful. So um, can we move on to foods maybe for uh, another uh, minute? So you mentioned variety of different herbal teas. Are there certain things uh, for you as a nutritionist that you would once again recommend to someone that might be dealing with a stressful semester or things that will ground you or make you feel a little bit better? Uh, you know, I think one of the 
easiest recommendations for somebody who's having a difficult semester um, food-wise is to just try to get some protein at breakfast. Okay. Um, it sounds pretty simple, but a lot of people eat, um, you know, cereal, pastry, bagel, English muffin, um, very carb-heavy breakfast, mm-hmm. and find that subsequently um, their blood sugar struggles a little bit to, um, after a few hours, kind of dips down, and then they start to feel really hungry, craving sugar, go get an unhealthy snack, and it just sets up a pattern for the day. Right. Um, so I find that if people can just make an effort, it does, I'm not saying necessarily get rid of the cereal and the whatnot, but in addition to try to have some kind of protein, like, for example, an egg mm-hmm. or um, that would, you know, that's a classic breakfast example, but you can also have leftovers from the night before, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but that oftentimes will, people will find that they feel fuller longer and they're not craving as much junk food later in the day if they can, if they can start out with a solid breakfast. Okay. Okay. That's, that sounds great. When you're recommending uh, having protein for breakfast uh, and this is setting up a better uh, pattern for the day, um, does this typically help you to stay away from sweets or less healthy choices? I find that it does. Um, and many of my clients find the same thing, that if they, they can get that, if that, they get that protein in first thing in the morning, then they're less likely to have um, unhealthy snacks throughout the rest of the day. Okay, great. So, uh, do you have any favorites? So you mentioned earlier, some of the apps like Pomodoro and various other ones, do you have any recommendations for us, whether thinking from the perspective of herbal medicine or nutrition, or maybe something that, uh, is a little bit more helpful in terms of structuring your day to, uh, relieve that stress. And as far as your resources, maybe apps or books or, uh, websites or something along those lines. Sure. So um, one of my very favorite apps is called Calm, C-A-L-M. Okay. Um, it's a meditation app that is, it is paid. I believe they have a free trial, mm-hmm. um, but I find that it's very worth it. They have a daily meditation that's about 10 minutes, okay. and then there's a whole library of other, um, other meditations of various links that you can choose from. But I find that Knowing that I have a short 10-minute meditation, um, I, can, I feel like I can always find 10 minutes to mm-hmm. sit down and they walk you through it. You don't have to know anything about meditation. Um, but I find that it's, it makes a big, big difference in my day if I can find the time to have a little mindfulness. Um, so I really love that app. There's another one that's free called Insight Timer okay. that may be more in a college student budget. Um, but It's similar, but maybe not quite as structured. Sure. And so, um, so, yeah, but do you have a preference when you would be doing this or when you would recommending someone to do that? Well, I think ideally you would do it at the same time every day. And if I didn't have small children, I would love to start my day out with 10 minutes mm-hmm. of um, meditation. That, that doesn't work in my life right now. So right. I just try and do it when I can do it. Okay. Um, I've, I've made a commitment to myself to do it daily. So sometimes if I haven't done it yet, I just squeeze it in right before I go to bed. Okay. Um, but I, you know, wherever it works, I think, I think having a regular time makes it more likely that you would do it, certainly. Um, and then my other, my other recommendation, which is something that 
has made a huge difference for me is um, a website called Yoga Glow, and that's G-L-O. Okay. Um, and they, it's essentially yoga classes online. Mm-hmm. I find that um, I can't often make it to yoga classes that begin at a certain time just because my schedule changes. I don't have the time to, you know, drive down somewhere, blah, blah, blah. Um, so it's a, I think it's about $18 a month, which is about how much you would pay for one yoga class. Okay. Um, and it is a just a bunch of very um, good quality yoga teachers, some of the bigger names that you might see in things, places like Yoga Journal and so forth, like high-profile high yoga teachers. And there are all kinds of classes, everything from, you know, a 10-minute office stretch break to an hour and a half long, um, you know, hips, hip opener class mm-hmm. for advanced yoga practitioners um, and it's really it's been a great resource because anytime I have a little break I can just you can filter by okay I've got 20 minutes my shoulders hurt what can I do and they've got you know 15 classes to choose from so that has been a really wonderful resource for me that's great as we are coming to an end of this interview, I wanted to ask you if there are other things that you could recommend to this audience or anything that we haven't discussed. Well, you know, I think the one thing that sometimes gets lost in a student's life, and I know this is true of me as a faculty member, is the, is the rhythm. Okay. Um, and we have a lot of evidence about circadian rhythms in health. Mm-hmm. And so um, I guess the one thing I would, I would say here at the end is for people to pay attention to whether they have a daily rhythm um, because your body would like to be able to predict what you're going to do next, when you're going to eat, when you're going to sleep, and so forth. And when you start doing all of these things at erratic times that don't have a lot of consistency, it's really hard for your body to keep up. And we know this is one of the things that contributes to um, overweight and obesity and blood sugar management issues and diabetes, all these, you know, eventually heart disease, things like that. So I, I think um, it's, it's always a great time to think about how can you create some kind of consistency in your life, not so that you have to eat breakfast every day at eight, mm-hmm. um, but just so that your body can predict, okay, now we're going to eat breakfast. Now we're going to go for a walk. Now we're going to do this. If your body knows what's coming next, everything, everything's going to work more efficiently and you're going to decrease your risk of uh, all those different things I just said. I love that. Thank you. Thank you. And I think that in uh, today's society with so many distractions around us that sometimes we get lost and we forget about the schedules and this consistency. So thank you. Thank you for that reminder. Um, Camille, um, how can someone learn more from you and uh, learn more about you? I know you have a blog. Can you share with us uh, what it is? I do. I have a, um, a website. It's just CamilleFreeman.com. Okay. I am a, an infrequent blogger at best, but that is probably the best way for people to, um, to stay in touch and learn more about what I'm doing. That's great. Thank you. Camille, thank you so much. Greatly appreciate this conversation, this interview. Thank you again. Well, thanks for having me. Thank you so much for joining us today. I hope you have enjoyed this conversation with Camille Freeman. I've created a summary of five of Camille's favorite 
resources, and you can find it along with all the other links uh, mentioned during this interview in the show notes at wellnessinsidernetwork.com slash 21. Please subscribe to the show to get the future episodes automatically downloaded to your device. This episode is proudly brought to you by Herbs Talk. Herbs Talk is a grassroots Boston area herbal event and organization. Herbs Talk hosts classes on herbal and holistic health topics, offers urban plant walks, and brings together herbal crafters and artisans from across New England and so much more. This year's main event is on July 2nd and 3rd in Somerville, Massachusetts. Please check out the link in the show notes for additional information. Thank you again for being here. I appreciate you. Be smart. Be healthy. Be you.